Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Barbara Pelletier, and I've been attending River Heights for about 12 years or so. I am one of those members of the volunteer preaching team that Pete spoke about this morning, and I just want to encourage you, if you do have any urge to give it a try to preach, stretch that muscle. Go for it. I think you'll find that it's really enjoyable and worth the effort. Um, I want to thank David and Rebecca for sharing part of their story with us. And I'm just moved to pray that the Lord will continue to bless you as you are faithful to him, to go where he's called you, and to do the work that he has planned for you, and that he will send others behind you to continue to water the work that you've already sown. So praying, it's an integral part of our Christian walk, especially for missionaries bringing Jesus to other countries. I mean, I've no doubt that you pray often and much, and your dependence on God moving in ways you can't to keep you safe and continue to share the gospel well is reflected in your earnest prayers. And I'm sure you've seen God move in mighty ways. Today, the message, as you might have guessed, is on prayer. But more specifically, on the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, the Our Father, or we also know it as the Lord's Prayer. But before we take a look at that, I want to read a part of a psalm that invites us and even encourages us to pray. It's Psalm 62, 8. It says, O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. The psalmist encourages us to pour out our hearts to God, to bring our concerns, our frustrations, our fears, and our joys, and to give them to him fully. I mean, doing this is a form of prayer. Prayer is a time to connect with God, not only to express our hearts, but also to listen to his heart. And the goal of prayer is fellowship with God. It's a way of developing intimacy with him. Ian Bounds, who was an American author and a member of the Methodist Episcopal Church South Clergy, is known for writing 11 books, nine of which focused on the subject of prayer. And he says, without prayer, the Christian life, robbed of its sweetness and its beauty, becomes cold and formal and dead but rooted in the secret place where God meets and walks and talks with his own. It grows into such a testimony of divine power that all people will feel its influence and be touched by the warmth of its love. Rooted in the secret place where God meets and walks and talks with his own. This is when we fellowship with God. This is when we get to know each other's hearts. And we partner together to accomplish God's plans. Have you lost me? Am I there? Because of this, prayer adds value to our lives. Hard question, maybe. But I think it's worth asking. What's your prayer life like? No condemnation, no judgment, just an examination. 
Have you allowed it to be rooted in the secret place where God wants to meet with you and talk with you? He wants you to pour out your heart to him. Do you pray for those things initiated by God or just for things on your list? The purpose of prayer is not just to get what we want, but it's also to pray for what's on God's heart. We can know what's on his heart by reading the scriptures and listening to him. Like taking the gospel into all the world. That's definitely on his heart. So is being kind to your neighbor. My prayer journey started when I was little. And my parents in the church taught me how to pray. One of the first prayers they taught me was the Our Father. I didn't really understand the importance or the value of it. I just memorized it and I spoke it back out. Yet it has become so much more to me. It is the very prayer God used to draw me back to him when I had run so far away. And every time I said it, I would just cry. And I could feel God drawing me back to him as though I still had a place in his heart. Some of you have heard me talk about my dad. He's 99 years old. He has dementia. And we end our visits together praying the Our Father. And even though sometimes he forgets who I am, calls me by his brother Loris's name, he still remembers all the words to that prayer. It touches my heart to hear him recite the words that he learned so long ago. I think that touches God's heart too. So just imagine, the prayer Jesus taught his disciples over 2,000 years ago is still being said today. And it's being passed down from generation to generation. Maybe you've had the opportunity to teach someone that prayer. Well, both Matthew and Luke recorded Jesus' words to this prayer. <clears throat> They're slightly different, but the essence is the same. I mean, Luke just uses less words. The one I learned and is most common to us is from Matthew. However, today we're going to take a look at Luke's version because it's part of today's Bible reading plan that we're following. So Matthew and Luke, along with the other disciples, are hanging out with Jesus, and they observe him praying. And so the disciple John decides to go up to Jesus and says, as we find in Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, and Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Maybe you've noticed this version is missing some words we normally say. Yet the meaning of the two versions are really the same. In both versions, Jesus begins by teaching us to do the most important thing first. 
which is to honor his name because his name is holy. When something's holy, it's set apart for a special purpose. So how can we keep God's name holy instead of using it in common ways? I think like we did this morning in worship, we praise him. We worship him. We pray to him only. We speak well of him. And if I were going to summarize it, I would say just say the most awesome, wonderful, truthful things you can about God to God. That's keeping his name holy. Exodus 20 says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Yet God is so gracious and he loves us, however we use his name. Yet it's clear he wants his name to be special on our lips. The next part of the prayer declares God's kingdom come. The kingdom of God is the revelation of the will of God at a moment in time. It's God's kingdom. Therefore, he's the king. And when his will is done, the kingdom is present. So God's will, his kingdom, includes things like righteousness and peace and joy and love. So when we announce God's kingdom come, we are declaring this is the authority we want overseeing our lives and the world. And when we submit to his kingdom, it places us in alignment with God's purposes. And our prayers exponentially rise in value because we are pursuing in prayer God's will. According to Ian Bounds, he says prayer engages the highest interest and secures the highest glory of God. God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will are all in it. The best example I have of this is Jesus himself. The night before he died, Jesus was at the Mount of Olives with his disciples, praying fervently to the point of sweating blood, crying out to God, saying, as we see in Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, please take suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus prays earnestly for a different outcome. Take this cup of suffering from me. Yet he defers to God's will. This is a great turning point in history. When Jesus relinquishes his hold on his will and instead submits to God. Without his obedience, who knows where we would all be. Yeah. 
Yet Jesus also knows the joy of obedience, the pain of submission, and the sweet union with God, knowing he chose the highest interest and highest glory for God. We can know that too. I believe our hearts, our spirits, our souls long for this kind of union. I mean, what outcome of our lives can there be than to engage in and submit to the highest interest and highest glory of God? Prayer is our agent to experience this kind of obedience. Have you ever prayed for something and God has asked you to give up your desire and do things his way instead? I have. In fact, I've been in this position numerous times in my life. And to be honest with you, I have failed miserably. I mean, I have prayed and prayed and prayed for God to tell me what to do. I could sense him telling me what to do. And guess what? <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I did it my way. I didn't relinquish my will to God, and the results for me were terrible. But the worst part of it was that I felt lost in my life. I could feel that I had taken a wrong turn, and I didn't know how to get back on track. However, I am happy to share with you that recently, within the last month, I had a situation in my life where I faced this very challenge again. I had quit my job in April for a variety of reasons, but I wasn't yet ready to retire. However, I didn't have another job lined up before my job terminated. So I was still job hunting, and I had my sights set on a particular job. And I had determined I was not going to go backwards. I was not going to go backwards in pay or status or responsibilities and authority. So I eliminated jobs that I, and decided not to apply for them because it meant I would have to go backwards. Well, one day, I sensed God telling me to apply for a particular job I had successfully avoided applying for for three weeks because it meant I had to take a step backwards. Well, I submitted and I applied for the job and guess what? I got the job! <laughs> I, I was excited. I, I, I was looking forward to starting. The people were so great towards me. But then, the very next day after I accepted the job, the job I really wanted was posted. I was so bummed. I mean, I was extremely upset. I thought for sure God had made a mistake. And I cried, because I wanted to apply for this job. I mean, I wrestled with God, trying to figure out how I could make this happen for myself. And after much prayer and anguish and counsel, I determined God wanted me to let my yes be yes and my no be no. So I didn't apply for the job I really wanted. And I can tell you, 
I felt myself very reluctantly letting go of my desires. And doing what God asked me to do. Funny thing is, this job is still available. So every time I see it, I have to let go and trust that God knows what he's doing. Yet I do have the satisfaction and peace of knowing that I am aligned with God's plans and purposes for my life. And it's been worth the cost. Actually, it's turned out to be a great decision for me. I've never worked in such a wonderful work culture, and it's turned out to be a huge blessing. I mean, in this case, I got flowers and ice cream when I made this choice. I feel like I was dipped in chocolate and then covered in whipped cream. It's been that good. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Who knew? God. (laughs) But you know what? That's not always the case. I mean, look at Jesus. He was tortured, and he died for following God's will. Yet the scripture says in Hebrews 12, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You and I are that source of joy for him. And we were worth the cost to him to do God's will. Sometimes doing God's will can result in pain. But to be aligned with God's plans and purposes is really worth the cost. And prayer helps us bend our will to his. Jesus then teaches us to depend on God and ask for his provision each and every day of our lives. I mean, the idea of daily bread is like everything I need for today. I mean, to be honest with you, I've been in a place where I've stockpiled things to ensure that my well-being was okay. I did not, however, stockpile toilet paper during COVID. Just want you to know. (laughs) But I've also been completely dependent on God for every penny that I had. And there is kind of a synergy, a, a bond of intimacy and a trust that develops, being dependent on God's help to survive. I mean, it really strengthened my trust muscle. He then teaches us to ask for forgiveness for our sins, as we all need forgiveness. And as we let the experience of seeking and receiving forgiveness penetrate our hearts, we understand the freedom it brings so that we too might in turn forgive others. Our plea then is to learn to give what we have so freely been given with great sacrifice. Jesus then teaches us to ask God the Father to keep us or prevent us from giving in or yielding to temptation so that we might stand strong and persevere with faith until our days are done. That we would not look to the left or to the right looking for another way out, but rather stay steady, looking straight at him and his ways and staying obedient to his will. 
How simple. Yet all-encompassing are these elements of prayer Jesus has given us. Praising God, declaring we want his kingdom over ours, admitting we are dependent on him and asking for things we need, asking for forgiveness, asking for the heart to forgive others, and asking to keep us away from temptation. Doing this, however, requires time. Time to pray. Time to be with God. Time to listen. Time to meet with him and walk and talk in the secret place and pour out your heart. God has deepened the longing in my heart to spend more time in prayer, and I've grown a great deal in this area of my life because of him. I mean, I, I used to have good intentions to pray, but it would seem that within 30 seconds of starting, I would lose my focus, I would get distracted, or I'd fall asleep. But now, it's my favorite time of day. And I know the investment I make is worth it. You know, many of my prayers, and I believe your prayers, they're going to outlive us. And I know the prayers I say today will touch someone's life in the future, maybe a thousand years from now. And because these are important prayers, and I want to stay focused, I've incorporated a few things that help me have a meaningful prayer time that I'd like to share with you. First of all, I find a quiet place, whether it's in my home or outside. I play some soothing music. It works for me, it might not work for you. And I often use a book of prayer by Stormy O'Martin. These things help me pour out my heart to God and stay focused. This prayer book in particular, uh, this woman has a gift for writing things that I want to say, but I can't seem to find the words for. So I read the prayers that she's already written. The time I spend with God in prayer strengthens my resolve to be faithful to him and to let him have his way in my life. It also encourages me to know that God listens to my heart. As Pete said last week, Jesus is worth your time. And today I'm adding, prayer is worth your time. If I could have the worship team come back up, please. And if you're on the prayer team and feel so led, would you also please come forward? And if the rest of you would please stand with me as you're able, I want to finish this off with a few tips for you to engage in this week. So I'm going to encourage you to read the two versions of the Our Father. The one we talked about today is in Luke 11. You can also read the one in Matthew 6, which is the one you probably know by heart. And also read Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, also the Mount of Olives, in Luke 22. 
And then pray that, um, pray the Our Father, either verse by verse or just use it as an outline to pour out your heart to God regarding all your joys and concerns. And then I'm going to put a challenge before you. Cultivate your relationship with God this week. And let prayer rise to the top of your priority list at least two days this week. So we're going to uh, end our service with prayer and worship. You are welcome to come up front to get prayer for anything that is on your heart. But I have a sense that maybe there's someone here or a couple someone's here that feel like you've maybe made a wrong choice, mm -hmm. taken a wrong turn, you don't know how to get back on track where God wants you. Jesus is here for you. Please come forward with prayer. Or maybe you are actually feeling a quickening in your heart and you're going, man, I'm really wanting to spend more time in prayer with God. I think there's an anointing for that to come upon you today, so please come forward for prayer on that one. And last but not least, you might be wrestling with something in your life. Should I do it my way or should I do it God's way? And if you are in that wrestling match and you would like some prayers said about that, please come forward. The worship team is going to let us know when the service is over, but I'm going to end by praying a blessing over us first. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you.